Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. In 2015, then-City Treasurer Tashara Jones launched the St. Louis College Kids Savings Program to help public and charter school families save money for college and learn financial literacy. St. Louis Public Schools has been a partner in the program since its start. But recently, in early December, the SLPS School Board voted to cancel that partnership. It's a move that extends a program participation pause that SLPS had already taken before last month's vote. And it means vastly fewer city kids and families, current and future, having a St. Louis College Kids Savings Account. Here to talk with us about how we've gotten to this place of limbo, what's next for the city's college kids savings program, and how, whether there's a large account balance in the end, these savings programs set kids up to see higher education as an option and not just a possibility. We have joining us three guests. First, with Mike Fitzgerald, a journalist who covered this story via the River City Journalism Fund. Welcome back. It's great to be back. We also have University of Michigan social work professor William Elliott III. His work as a researcher and scholar combines data and personal experience. Willie, welcome to you as well. Thanks for having me. And last but not least, we have St. Louis Treasurer Adam Lane, who leads the St. Louis College Kids Savings Account Program. Welcome, Adam. Thank you, Elaine. And thank you all for joining us today. So I'd like to start, Willie, with you and a, a broad overview. How is it that college kids' savings programs work? Yes. Um, so right now, there's quite a few across the country. There are several states that have statewide programs. And there is variations in how they work. But basically, uh, there are many of the programs, or at least the statewide programs, are opt-in. I mean, opt out, and so uh, families are automatically enrolled into their accounts. Uh, they're given initial deposits of varying amounts depending upon the program. And then they're also typically giving uh, incentives that they can earn along the way and also a match. Uh, so it really is geared toward helping low-income families uh, save for college. But uh, more importantly, uh, something that uh, we're just beginning to explore more, more as of late is the power of these programs once in place for third-party donations to include to include employers, uh, local community um, uh, funders and foundations, and many others that can put money into these accounts beyond just the own savings of the uh, individual families. Mm-hmm. Now, Treasurer Lane, as you hear um, the professor talk about what these programs are overall, what are some notable specifics about the way that St. Louis's program is run. Yes, so the professor hit everything on the head. So those are the things that we look at and our program uh, was the second municipal program after the one in San Francisco. So we modeled most of what we did after them. 
Um, but yeah, so it, it's absolutely accurate. That's how we operate. So we put an initial $50 seed deposit, and then we provide the incentives and uh, matching dollars to get them to at least that $500 mark because the statistics out there show that students with at least $500 saved um, for college are three times more likely to go and four times more likely to graduate and persist from college. Mm-hmm. Insofar as time, energy, or, or other resources, mm-hmm. uh, did SLPS or does it um, put much of that into these accounts into the program? That's a great question, and that um, you know centers on the actual MOU. And I feel like there hasn't been a lot of discussion on that. So there was our part um, that we had to do, and then there's the district part. Um, on our side, it's providing the accounts when they send us the enrollment data for their kindergartners, opening up those accounts, and then making sure that there are incentives and opportunities for. Um, students to earn dollars into those accounts. So creating those incentive-based programs. So we do financial literacy events and um, family savings nights, all of these things to increase those uh, deposits and earning deposits for for families. Um, On the SLPS side, it was sending in the enrollment data for kindergartners um, every year so that we could open those accounts in their name. And that was a big thing, creating that asset in the name of the child. Um, and then other than that, it was the inf- the uh, flyers, the informationals, the events that we were having for SLPS to promote that along their regular channels. Because mm-hmm. we want to meet families where they are. And if they're in the schools, that's, you know, that's where we are and where we want to meet them. Um, and that essentially was the entire responsibility for the district. Mm-hmm. And just to clarify again, mm-hmm. MOU is the Memorandum of Understanding exactly. that you had with mm-hmm. it. So uh, as far as the description that you have given, it sounds I mean, relatively simple. It does. Now, Mike, in December, you published a piece stating that the St. Louis School Board voted to cancel its College Kids Partnership with the Treasurer's Office. And the school district said it's a pause, but you wrote that they voted to cancel it. Why was it that you used that wording, Mike? And you know, what is your understanding of their future participation with the program. Well, as I recall, I used the term, they were invoking the uh, 60-day notice of cancellation uh, Mm -hmm. stipulated in the MOU. And uh, the reason why they made that choice is uh, they looked at, you know, what was in the best interest of the kids. Um, There's a lot of concern about how much control parents had over these funds. There's also lots of concern about the low rate of participation. As I noted in my story back in uh, June of, this, of 2023, only 15% of these counts grew beyond the initial $50 seed deposits. Now, I wanna make something very clear. I think the idea behind these accounts is commendable and important, very important. These college savings accounts can be an extremely important way of dealing with multi-generational poverty, and I applaud them all the way. But like with anything else, it's the execution that matters and the amount of buy-in from the public. Mm-hmm. Now, and just to clarify, the word cancel was used in the headline mm-hmm. of the story that was written. And then what you've talked about as far as that pause is in the, the, the body of that text. Now, you had first delved into this story in June. And at that time, you had spoken directly with families mm-hmm. who participated in college kids. What was their experience like? Some people were very positive about it. Um, many families, though, I interviewed, and I went to schools all across the school district, had no idea it even existed. It all varies with the amount of uh, publicity or buy-in from the local school. 
And I, I think the thing is to remember about the St. Louis public school system, it's facing a tremendous number of challenges. You know, 38% of the kids in this district change schools. 20% of the kids uh, are classified as unhoused. Mm -hmm. Another 20% qualify for special education services. So many of the parents I've talked to are concerned about so many other things, just like keeping a roof over their head or being able to buy groceries, that college is something that seems like light years away. Mm -hmm. Adam, when you read the stories, I mean, was there any element of surprise? And you yourself, I mean, were part of St. Louis Public Schools with as a teacher and as a board member. I was. Um, I was. So I taught for three years at Clyde T. Miller Career Academy, taught high school math. Um, so I love numbers, and I love getting into to data and statistics. Um, but I taught there, and I loved it. But I, as you know, Mike Fitzgerald just stated, the district has a lot of challenges. Um, and those challenges are ever-present when students are entering kindergarten. And that's why this partnership was so important, because it takes that burden off of families to be super knowledgeable, super invested at the kindergarten level. Because if I, if I am enrolling my child for the first time in kindergarten, there's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. And we also know that family dynamics, he spoke to the transience rate of families in the district. We also know family dynamics change. We've seen situations, even as a high school teacher, where freshman year, grandma is the primary person taking care of that child and advocating on their behalf. By junior year, it might be an older brother, older sister. Maybe it's mom or dad who's come into the picture. So those dynamics change and information changes. So the knowledge that that household had about their education in freshman year is vastly different from junior year. And these are dynamics that come into play. But back to my earlier point of why being able to set up this blanket account and have that partnership there is important. They don't have to worry about, did I miss my opportunity? So they know whether they engage in sixth grade. So we, we start with single entry point in kindergarten, but whether they find out about the program in sixth grade, in third grade, or right there in kindergarten for our early adopters, they know that there's an account for them that's already established. It has, 15, it has $50 in it already, and it's never too late to begin that savings journey. The way that our incentives are structured and our outside supports are structured, they can earn that $500 and increase those college-going likelihoods whether they whether they first find out about the program in sixth grade, seventh grade, whatever. But the problem, the biggest issue here is that now this current class of kindergartners, if that family is, hey, I'm ready to engage on the college level now and the savings level now, and they're a sixth grader, this current class, almost 2,000 kindergartners, will miss out on that opportunity. Mm -hmm. Willie, what is it that you have observed in your research about the kinds of challenges that you've heard uh, Treasurer Lane talk about and that Mike Fitzgerald has covered in his reporting? I think I, I had a chance to talk to, to Mike earlier when he was doing this report, if I remember right, and, and did try to explain some of these things to them. I do think there's a, a, a terrible um, kind of oversight of, of the, the value and importance of the program. It's easy just simply to pause something or cancel it as opposed, now I, 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 in fairness to the school district, they, they did say in there that they were they're not, they, they, if they're being honest, willing and open for changes. And so I think what needs to happen is, is that, that there needs to be more information provided to the school district on why. There needs to be more buy-in. Because uh, like I said, it's very easy simply, simply to say, well, we're going to stop or close this, but not when you haven't taken full advantage of the program itself. And what I mean by that is, is again, 
beyond just families putting money into the accounts, which is only one form of engagement in these accounts, another form of engagement in these accounts is is whether or not families are talking to their kids about going to college. With research shows that, that they're much more likely to be talking about kids to go to college. They're much more likely to have formed positive expectations about college. Uh, now, there is a problem with the overall buy-in of the school district in the first place to help families know that they have these accounts. And so that is something that needs to be worked on. But again, not a reason for eliminating the program, but a reason for educating the school district on kind of the potential and power of these programs uh, for improving kids' outcomes, particularly in the area in which these outcomes are so uh, in need of, of help in, in improvement. Uh, so I would strongly recommend that they at least take some time to hear more of the evidence on children's savings accounts in, in, in ways in which to improve it before they uh, jump to the, the conclusion of just simply closing them, whether that be changing some of the structure, uh, re-engaging uh, faculty, uh, not faculty, but uh, teachers on uh, the importance of the program and giving them information about the importance of the program so they can begin to integrate some of this stuff within their classroom and talk to their kids about the program. Another avenue, another way that these programs are so important is they give a structure for families and students and teachers to talk about college and begin to plan and think about college. And these are community accounts, not individual accounts. They're community accounts open on the behalf of kids that then should encourage the community to invest in these kids, not only the families. And so there needs to be some work done around that, but but it's work that can be done. It's being done in places like New York City, um, San Francisco, Maine, and, and other places. Now, we did receive a statement from the St. Louis Public Schools spokesperson, George Sells, and we want to share this with you. It was sent on behalf of the St. Louis School Board. The Board of Education's decision to pause the College Kids program was based solely on performance. The results for our families were disappointing and fell well short of what was originally promised by the Treasurer's Office. The Superintendent offered to work with the Treasurer's Office to identify the problems in the program and help solve them. This offer was repeated to the Treasurer in open session at our last Board meeting on December 12, 2023. Mr. Lane expressed that he had no interest in making any changes to his program that left us with little choice but to take the action to pause. The district has not closed the door on the program, but we can uh, we cannot participate until there are substantial changes that will benefit SLPS families. And again, that is the uh, statement that was submitted by SLPS spokesperson George Sells. And it gets Mike to the point that you were making about um, the door not being closed. Now, Adam, I mean, do you foresee any way that the district will come back to the table and reconsider this partnership based on where you want to take it? I think that's up to district leadership. Um, I hear that statement from Mr. Sells, and I can already point out things that are just not true, and that's verifiable by the video evidence of the last board meeting that we were at. Um, he says that the superintendent expressed that, you know, with changes they'd be interested in doing something different. Superintendent actually made no comments at all during the, <laughs> during the entire question session. Um, one of the things that the district presented and said that they were going to do for all MOUs that were suspended, not just ours, was to give all the entities an opportunity to give a 30-minute presentation. We were not afforded that opportunity. We were told, um, you can come in during this time, we'll put you on the agenda, and you answer any questions the board had. 
we received two questions from the board um, on a program that has been, again, with this district for eight years. We received two questions. Mm -hmm. I hear more about the issues, I guess, the questions that the board has had in public statements. They had an opportunity to ask all the questions that they had. And again, if you look at the recorded session, two questions came out. Um, I will speak to, you know, our willingness. We want to do what's in the best interest of kids. Uh, they, they talk about the promises that were made. I don't know what those were. We say, we say from day one, our goal in the program is to make sure that every child has an opportunity to earn $500 into their account by the time they graduate. Mm -hmm. Every single student has an opportunity to earn $500 in their account by the time they graduate. And so that is something that you're willing to make changes in order to achieve? So I will I will answer that by saying, I, I asked the board what changes they would like to see. Um, we've responded twice to requests from the district. We've answered all their calls, uh, answered all the questions that they've asked, all the requests for information that they've, they've put in. The change, one of the things that was prompted by the board president, Matt Davis, he said, in his words, he heard that it was difficult for families to transfer to a most 529 account. Um, what are we going to do differently? I said, well, most 529 is actually a preferred partner of us, and that's the state uh, college savings program for those who don't know. So they're a preferred partner. We have quarterly most 529 sessions with our families so that they can learn about what are the benefits, if this is the right track for them. Um, and we have one form that students fill out, had a copy of it with me, and that's been provided to the board mm -hmm. that shows here is you know what you need to do. You submit this, it goes to your account. And also, we don't have any families that have ever told us that it's very difficult to transfer it to a 529. Mm -hmm. So when I answered that question, he said, so you're not doing anything differently. And to me, if I could use an anecdote, anecdote it's like me walking into a room or before I walk into the room saying, there's nowhere to sit. You walk me into the room and say, here are all the seats. And then I say, so you're not going to increase the number of seats that there are to sit in. I can't. I said, if there is something that is validated and substantiated that, hey, this is an issue and we'd like to see it fixed, we're more than happy to do that. But the only thing that they brought up, I said, we are, we have addressed information for families about 529s. We have a simple process for them to transfer it. Where, where are you hearing this critique mm -hmm. and where is it substantiated? So with all of this now, this is out, this is a, a public knowledge information we, we're having this conversation mm -hmm. on the air there is what you have written mike based on all of this i mean what do you see as the likelihood of the district's future involvement well first we got to talk about the politics about this um, now mayor char jones unveiled this program in 2015 and was her signature um, achievement when she ran for mayor in 2021 what's puzzling to me is that, as far as I can tell, she did not go to bat for this program. Um, she has tremendous political influence. I, as far as I can tell, she did not use it in any way to protect this program or, or advocate for it. And correct me if I'm wrong, Treasurer Lane, but she has not used her platform to protect this program. And I'm puzzled. Megan Green, same thing, president of the board of aldermen, tremendous influence. And we have reached out to the yeah, mayor's I don't, that's office the thing. for comment. And Elaine, that's story. what I'm so befuddled by is the silence on the part of those two. They could have, and then also the business community. None of, no one stepped forward from the business community. Uh, no one from the school district uh, 
any of the schools, the teachers union. Mm-hmm. The silence was resounding. I would love to speak to that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. go, oh, please. So uh-huh. I have communicated with many elected officials, um, including the mayor, including the board of aldermen president, and they have reached out to the school district. They've reached out to people in the school district. They've uh, noted lack of response from board members that are sitting on the school district. So, yeah, we should talk well, about Well, Treasurer Lane, with yeah. all if, due respect, if I, I may, have called... If many, I may finish. Yes, okay, go right ahead. I'm sorry. Thank you. Uh-huh. Um, so, lack of response. So, yeah, it is important to talk about the politics of it from the business community. Um, we have... When I stepped into this office, I got sworn in April of 2021, and the first... And giving... Uh, um, STL Give Day or Give STL Days in May. And I said, I'm going to step forward. And I donated my entire first check. And I said, it's going to college kids because I believe this is important. And we set a goal of raising $5,000 because previous years we only raised about $1,000. So we set a goal of raising $5,000. The community and the business community came together. We far surpassed our goal and raised over $20,000. We have not um, made less than or raised less than $20,000 since then. When I took over our giving balance, our incentive balance, all the community donations was at a little over 110000 Right now it sits at half, uh, over half a million dollars. So our business community has stepped up and stepped forward. And my last point is I think it's a little disingenuous to say that teachers didn't step up, step up to speak, that principals didn't step up to speak when the district has a very specific policy about um, teachers, about principals speaking um, up to media especially. And I would never want to jeopardize the job of a teacher, of a principal, but I have calls, I have text messages, Facebook messages, everything from people in the district. A lot of people I worked with, Elaine, while I was in the district Mm -hmm. that said, this is ridiculous, Um, we support this program, we have parents and families that Um, use this program and believe in this program. We believe in this program, but we know our job is in jeopardy if we speak out, if we say anything about this program. So there's clearly, there's a lot of things going on sort of bigger picture. And before we break, so briefly, Mike. Yeah, I made many calls to the mayor's office. I made many calls to Megan Green's office. I made many calls to members of the board of aldermen, begging them to make a statement in support of this program, and they refused. And I'm befuddled by that. And again, uh. we did here with the show, we reached out to the mayor's office for comment in December for this story, and we did not hear back. That's, We're going to take a very quick break here. We'll continue the conversation in a moment, and we'll dive into the mm. bigger picture questions relating to college savings accounts, college death, and uh, college debt and wealth inequality. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. Welcome back. We were having a a very uh, passionate conversation before the break. And Willie, I'd like to get your take on this. Do you see controversy around other college savings programs throughout the country? Uh, I mean, we could call this contentious, but it's clearly because people care about this. What have your observations been? 
Yeah, I would like to say, first of all, um, I am a professor and I, I uh, have a PhD and I do research and it is always somewhat scary for me when people start to draw large conclusions based on some people they talk to in a district rather than, you know, having a repetitive sample of people and really understanding, you know, what the mood is of all the people. Because that's, that's, I mean, to make such policy decisions, and I think I hear that both from the district and, and also from Mike, to be frank. Um, now, if we're just talking about savings rate, I, from my understanding, he has a lot of data on that. But uh, as far as just drawing, you know, substantial conclusions about what everyone feels about the program without having done any real research or, or investigation uh, into that is, is tough. Um, but as re with regard to your question, uh, these programs are in both uh, conservative and, and liberal uh, states. And so there, there has been, for the most part, uh, large uh, support for these programs. There is over a million accounts in the U.S. now um, and five million accounts. And there's about 15 million accounts uh, across, the country, across the world. Uh, one thing I'd like to point out is in... In Canada, our neighbor, they have a, a national CSA program and uh, recently released findings. They, they started at birth. The kids are now uh, reaching college age and they report that uh, college enrollment has increased by 30 percentage points uh, for those who are participating in the program, uh, that those effects are strongest for low income families. The families want to help most that um, debt, uh, the amount of students who require, you know, using student loans is, is reduced. Uh, and so in, in college completion rates are up. So um, I do think that um, we really should, and I'm not, that's not a critique of Mike. I know he's a great journalist and all these things, but if we're going to make policy decisions, we really should have a little better uh, evidence for that. You can write an article on that, but, but and it should inspire the school district to maybe do a study and find out uh, what their families think about this. But uh, based upon a few uh, conversations we have, uh, that's that's would, would never fly in, in, in the research world. Mm -hmm. And what I'm hearing from you, Professor, is we're talking about small p policy at the local level, which is not necessarily the same thing, but part of big p policy, which you know, happens at, at higher levels. Mike, what what do you think about what uh, what Willie has said? Well, again, it, there's dozens and dozens of these programs around the country. Uh, it's very difficult to access data about how successful they are. I mean, the program here in St. Louis, the first kids won't touch this money for another five years or so, and we don't know truly how many mm -hmm. kids will actually go to college because of it. Uh, well, so, let's, so, so again, yeah. I have to interrupt. So sure. first of all, that's why we have written papers and have a lot of evidence, both mm -hmm. randomized control trial evidence about interim metrics. So whether or not kids are on course. And so we have evidence, randomized control evidence that shows that kids' social emotional development is higher. Parents' expectations are higher. They're less, parents are less likely to be depressed. Uh, there, there's any number of outcomes, which far more outcomes with far stronger data than what we have for many of our other programs like student loans and stuff, given that you can't have randomized control trials very easily with some of those programs. And so uh, in, in I, just, I just reported to you on a program uh, 
that's very much like the ones we have in the U.S. in Canada that have kids reaching college age. And also um, the program that you mentioned earlier around K2C in San Francisco, the kids are now at college age. And so this summer we should have strong data for that. So once you get that, that, that additional data, uh, maybe you can make stronger critiques, but right now I don't, I'm not really sure well, could, what it's based on. Could I address what the professor's saying? I'm literally the only person who went through the spreadsheets of all the accounts. I'm literally the only person that did that. You're not the only Let me just finish, please. I, I did too. And so I actually counted things up, school by school. And what I found was that there's a very low participation rate. Only 12% of parents submitted consent forms to get the incentives, 12%. That indicates either they don't know what's going on or they don't think it's important. I then backed that up with shoe leather reporting. Not necessarily. Let me just finish. And I talked to lots and lots of parents, and they truly did not know this program existed. Or How they, many parents? Probably 100 at, at eight different okay. schools around the city. And I did this. I, Professor, I respect your work tremendously, but I actually went out there talking to people, trying to find supporters and people who had problems with it. And I worked hard to do that in good faith. And so I, I think... In, uh, insofar if, if as I may, the, yeah, I, I would like to speak to the data um, for the professor and for Mike that we have on the same spreadsheet that we looked at data that I did present to you, Mike. Mm -hmm. um, one of the, the, the I'll talk about the 15% because we have not been bashful about that. So 15% quote unquote participation. What does that mean? Um, so that means that we're looking at people who have accounts that are over or children that have accounts that are over. Uh, $50 right now. I think the important thing, and I think the professor would agree with me, our oldest group is in eighth grade. And we're counting, if we look at totality, we're counting kindergartners who literally just started. We're still planting that seed. Um, and we take about 1,500, we'll say about two, 1,500 to 2,000 students a year. So if I look at kindergarten, first grade, second grade, that's three classes that are literally just beginning their savings journey. So we're including them into this number that, yeah, it's going to be low there because the work that we're doing at that stage is not just about, hey, this is a great program, we're giving you free money. That doesn't mean the same thing to everyone. We have family, the work that we do is yes on uh, implementing the program, making sure the program is um, working well and that we have all the structural components. But the work that my team does and that I do are around the conversations we're having with families. We have first generation families who didn't even go to college. So we're t there are conversations they haven't had um, about college, so this is unfamiliar. We have families that don't even have their own bank account. So when you couple those things, I've never went to college, this is a first conversation about it. I'm not familiar with banking or, you know, I don't even have access to a banking account. This is a realm that is unfamiliar to me. It might be frightening to me. So the work that we're doing with those families to increase participation is not just saying, hey, go put this money in your account or complete this activity. It's how do I get this person who has had a negative relationship with banking, a more positive one. How am I getting this person who didn't know that they should be talking about early college savings or college at all in kindergarten to be able to have that conversation comfortably? That's the buy-in that we are working on and we work on every day with our program I, to, that's, the, that's, what, that's what we work on to be able to say later and we see it working. So. When we get to eighth grade, our kids are um, engaged. Our participation rate jumps by 40%. Our eighth graders, you talked about the 77 number, our eighth graders, our oldest class, have an average savings right now of our active savers of $278, mm -hmm. well on their way. So there are a lot of numbers, and numbers clearly, this has been part of the 
the issue that's been raised. Um, and it's not that anyone is ignoring them, but I, I want to make sure that we end with a solutions orientation, right? This was not a conversation for, um, for argument, but to sort of move us forward. Adam, how is it that you will define success for the College Kids Program, and when will you know, you know if it is successful? And, and do you plan to connect with St. Louis families without the help of the school district, very Ab- briefly? Absolutely. So it's, um, my messaging has been, you know, this is a hurdle, but not a wall. Um, the goal is to do what's in the best interest of kids, and we've gotten um, support from the community, from individuals, from um, uh, nonprofits from for-profits that say, however we can reach people, we will knock on doors with you in the neighborhoods that have highest concentrations and sign up people. So um, families that are in St. Louis public schools are still eligible. It's just that we have to go a different route. So my team has already planned out what that outreach looks like to get them into there because we're going to continue to serve this class and classes in the future. From and, and briefly, how will you know that it's successful? How will successful? we know? So our goal is, again, when those students graduate, that we have students that have um, at least $500 saved. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's 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 our barometer, and we track that on an ongoing basis. We know what percentage of our families are on track by grade level two. Mm-hmm. And Mike, you know, ultimately, college kids, uh, kids' college savings accounts is about and for families and children making their way to options and not just opportunity. Now, having been part of today's conversation, you know, hearing from Treasure Lane as well as Professor Elliott, you know, and based also on what you said that you've heard from parents and kids in your reporting, what is the story that they'd like to read about what's next for the St. Louis College Kids Savings yeah, what, Account? What they want to see is a program that grows just like a uh, 529 plan. One of the problems with the program all along has been the fact that these are non-interest-bearing accounts. It's also difficult for people to move the money into 529 plans, despite what uh, Treasurer Lane has said, because like the uh, program it's modeled on in San Francisco, at, once you hit $500, you move all the money you got, including incentives, very easily into the Cal Kids program. So you gotta have something that can grow and that they can see can grow. And that's been one of the problems with this program all along that the school district decided. Mm -hmm. I think it's a great program if you can get it right. I think it's commendable. The work that Dr. Elliott has done is extremely admirable and should continue. Mm -hmm. Mike Fitzgerald Uh is a journalist with the River City Journalism Fund, and uh, William Elliott III is a professor of social work at the University of Michigan, and Adam Lane is treasurer of the city of St. Louis. Thanks to each of you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Doerr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. St. Louis on the Air proudly supports local artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis.
Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.